Uh, so, um, yeah. this is Brother Chris for anyone watching, uh, and yeah. I'm Daniel. Um, so, we just thought we'll kick back our podcast, this YouTube channel, uh, see what we can do with it. And this is one of our first episodes, just starting things back. Um, I thought it'd be a great idea for Chris to share his testimony and, and what he's doing. So, Chris, who are you? Uh, what is your background, like a very super high level, and then we'll dive deep into it. Yeah, that's a good question, bro. I'm still trying to figure out who I am. <laughs> no, but yeah, um, I'm Chris, uh, like Daniel just said. Um, so right now I'm a seminarian. By the way, this is the first time I'm doing like a seminarian, like a social out there here. So I've not told this before, but yeah, I'm a seminarian. I'm in my fourth year in seminary. Um, so yeah, that's me, bro. Nice. Very cool. Yeah. Um, so you were born in, you have an identity crisis. <laughs> so where are you from? Yeah. So I was born in India, in Manglo. Yeah, it starts with an M. But I was raised for a few years in Bangalore, which is the same spelling, but it's a B at the beginning. So whenever I say these, they're like, Bangalore? I'm like, no, Bangalore. And I'm like, Bangalore? I'm like, no, Bangalore. So you can mess around with it, yeah. But yeah, so I was born in Bangalore. And then for like the first two years, I was I went to Dubai for my kindergarten or whatever they say, LKG, UKG. And then I came back to Bangalore. When I say I came back, yeah, with my <laughs> mom and dad. Um, did my first, second, third in Bangalore. And then I uh, went to Dubai again uh, for my t next two years. And then we finally moved to um, to London, to England. So, yeah, when they ask you where you're from, I'm like, I, I would love to say I'm a London boy now, though, because I've been in London for most of my life. So Nice, yeah. nice. Uh, so I have a list of random questions to go through right, just cool. to get to know you a little bit before we do a deep dive yeah what's your favorite color that's a tough one you know red red is there a reason why no black 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 yeah any particular reason i don't know I'm, i can't i guess because now i'm more used to the clerics yeah <laughs> <laughs> it has to become black your favorite yeah 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 <laughs> okay yeah, what yeah. kind of music are you into so I'm a big hip-hop fan, um, hip-hop and grime. So grime is like the UK, well, started in London, so UK music, basically. So hip-hop and grime, yeah. Nice. Um, are you into any podcast listening? Well, who are your favorite um, podcasters and podcast series you're listening to? Yeah, I listen to a lot of podcasts. Uh, when it comes to, like, religious stuff, my go-to is um, Matt Frad. The guy's the, Great the guy. boss. Yeah, he's the boss in this thing. <laughs> Uh, I love his name though, Pines with Aquinas. <laughs> yeah, Matt Fred, Ascension Press. Uh, then other stuff I listen to is, uh, there's a podcast called No Behaviour, which speaks about like, you know, life in London and stuff like that. Uh, then there's 90s Baby Show. Yeah. And then there's another one, the Catholic Talk Show. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Two guys and a priest. Yeah, just, just coming and discussing stuff. So yeah, those are my go-to. Nice. Yeah. Last one here. What's your favorite movie of all time? Oh, bro. <laughs> so I'm not a movie person, so I hate watching movies. Cause, and for me, this is the thing, yeah? If in the first five to ten minutes, the movie doesn't click, like you hear me snoring throughout. <laughs> so <laughs> that's going to be a tough one. But I would have to say 
a movie that kind of got me thinking of stuff is Interstellar. Mm, I don't know if you great movie. Yeah. Know that. Yeah. yeah so we won't me. spoil it for anyone yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. who hasn't watched it yet. It's yeah. a great movie. It's one of we my favorites as well. Yeah. Yeah. And there's another, well, if you're asking me for, um, well, it's not a movie. This is um, a, a series kind of thing called Dark. It's a German thing. Mm. But it's about time dilation and all of that stuff. And it messes your head. So I love movies that mess my head. Yeah. And then yeah. I go and study it. So it's like t- related to like time and space. I yeah. love those ones. So did you see Tenant? So I wanted to watch Tenant. So that's on my list. I know it's like super old now. It's like two yeah, years. Like, two years. Eh, I think a year or two. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. I need to watch that. Cool I, need to watch so, yeah. I felt it was probably a little bit too crazy though. That yeah. it's like, you know, like this. Things like Interstellar or Inception. Inception, like, yeah, that's another one. They're like a good balance, but yeah. I kind of felt like Tenant was like a bit too crazy or like, what what just happened? <laughs> kind of thing. Is it Christopher Nolan? I I think so. Yeah, that yeah. guy is crazy, bro. He does all these movies. Yeah. Let me actually fact check that. Yeah, but I love I love Christopher Nolan's movies because, um, and for Interstellar, this is why I love the guy. He did like three years of study into mm-hmm. physics and time dilation before he went and actually directed the movie. So that goes like to show like his passion for doing stuff. Yeah. He just doesn't yeah. do like things and you know. Yeah, Tenant is uh, Christopher Chris, Yeah, it must be, yeah. must be, must be. Cool. Yeah. So let's do a deep dive uh, to get to know you. Um, so I wanted to kind of split it into like a bunch of different sections, right? So it's yeah. like, who were you growing up as like your childhood, like preteens kind of age? And then we'll go to like your teenage years and then what you're kind of doing right now beyond that, right? Yeah. Um, so maybe actually even first off, might be worth saying how old you are now. Like what, what kind of stage of your life are you now? Yeah. And then we'll kind of go all the way back. Yeah. So I was 18, 10 years ago. <laughs> <laughs> Good way of putting it. Uh, great. So 18, 10, 18, 10 years ago. Yeah. So let's go all the way back to your childhood, your earliest memory that yeah. you can remember as a child. Uh, do you have, what is your earliest memory as a child? Oh, that's tough. I think my earliest one's probably like when I was in Dubai. I must have been like four or five. And I remember like, my, so my mom's a nurse. So she was kind of looking after me. And then when she goes to school, she goes, to, like when I go to school, she goes to work. And then coming back together on time and playing around with, with like kids in the neighborhood and stuff like that. That's like the earliest, yeah. Nice. Yeah. You're, you're, you're the only uh, child, I'm the right? only one, yeah. I'm the Alpha and Omega, the, <laughs> the, the generation of my family, yeah. Nice. So what was life like growing up as a child? Where you kind of, was your family kind of spiritual? Like how, what was your exposure to spirituality? Yeah, so my parents, yeah, they're like super religious, devout. Um, my mom, especially, because I think when she was studying nursing, so she did that in Mangalore. She was like a Christian kind of a college. Mm. Um, so there used to be all these charismatic prayer meetings. So even before she was married, like she was involved in like prayer meetings. And then the, the whole thing was run by nuns, so like sisters. So, you know, they, they kind of make sure like there's morning prayer. Like my my mom used to say like how every time you begin the shift, so the nurses come together and they pray and then they do it. And like the sisters are like super strict, like everyone has to be there on time and stuff. So I guess she, she grabbed a bit from there. And then when she was growing up, like, you know, the whole family is like super, Mm. super religious in the sense, like 
my mom used to say like every day there's rosary at home um and my grandfather's so my mom's yeah dad he used to always have rosary around so when he used to go like i don't know to 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 get things from the shop or whatever he used to like pray the rosary and stuff so i didn't see well i didn't see three of my grandparents because they all passed away before i was born and then the last one my mom's mom um she kind of passed away last year so even she was religious so the whole family is like religious and my dad said same thing yeah dad's like super disciplined and stuff so cool so, yeah. so that means that you kind of knew everything kind of growing up right well in the sense like not rationally because my parents weren't like you know not into like catechism and like not knowing answers to like i don't know why the trinity exists and stuff like that but they always knew that god existed and like he was the priority in our family like always mm. um <clears throat> and things like you know mother mary was very important um yeah sacred heart was very important stuff like that yeah so yeah in terms of like faith i would say my mom just believed she wouldn't like question it much um yeah and same with my dad yeah they wouldn't question much but yeah just believe Cool. And then during your teenage years, you were mostly in London, is that right? Yeah, yeah, teenage years was in London. So I think I moved to um to UK when I was like 8 or 9. I can't remember properly, but yeah. Cool. Um yeah, I moved so yeah, since then it's been London. Yeah, so what was yeah. your experience like as a child growing up and what was your comfort to then being like picked up like dropped in london yeah no the thing culture. is like i've been i've been moved around so much here yeah, bless my mom cuz she always moved to places so we like where where job was good and like mm. you get an extra pay so that she could look after the family not only us like even the extended family so my cousins and stuff um so she always moved so that's why from india we moved to dubai and then things didn't work out so we came back to bangalore and then again she got a better offer so she went back to dubai and then every time she went she thought like okay this is a place and then so she took me but then it didn't work out so we come back so so by the time i came to london bro it was like my 6th or yeah 5th or 6th school so at this age like i'm like tired of studies cuz i'm i'm constantly switching schools and cuz my primary school and stuff yeah i was like excelling like crazy so i remember like i went to I went to the school which was run by the sisters of charity and they used to say like yeah like you need to like persevere like and get a, like a good job and they used to be they used to be so crazy they used to say like yeah you're going to be an astronaut and stuff like that cuz I used to be good in studies like I remember like I used to be super good at maths I got like 100 out of 100 and all of that stuff yeah so my my, my grades were like about 90 but cuz of this constant switching I just found it so difficult cuz the syllabus is different So when you move, I don't know if you know but in India like they've got like state syllabus mm. and like ICSE yeah. and all of that nonsense. So when you move from one school to the other it's like they're teaching like something that's alien to me and then you know. And then I come to come to England it's like I was supposed to be in year 6 but in cuz of my age they're like you need to be in year 7. And cuz I came in December I joined school in January so I got 4 months of year 7. So basically I skipped like 2 years. And so I go into year 8 yeah <laughs> and I've got no foundation and so I remember like maths being with numbers 
And when I'm in year eight, they've added letters into maths. Like, <laughs> they run out of numbers. So they add, like, add X, like, find X, find Y, all of this stuff. And I'm like, whoa. <laughs> so, yeah, like, that stuff was tough. So I kind of lost interest in studies just because it was a bit difficult to to grasp. And, um, yeah, and, and I love the school life, though, because um, obviously in the beginning it was a bit difficult because I, I was, like, bullied and stuff. Yes, it's something that you go through in London. Mm. Um, and was that just because you were just new and you just didn't know also? Like, why were you the victim? Or was everybody kind of like a lot of kids? So I think like, yeah, the, the thing is like when you're new to the school, you get bullied. It doesn't matter about race and stuff. You just get bullied. Um, and then there was this race thing, which was another thing. So they would like probably make like fun of your accent and stuff. I didn't have a pretty strong Indian accent. I had like an accent from Dubai, which was like not bad, hmm. but then it's still funny. Like, you know, when you come and like someone speaks to you in this accent, you're like, oh my goodness, fresh here. So <clears throat> yeah, that was like the thing for them to kind of hold on to and then to just, to just start bullying, basically. Um, hmm. Yeah, so I was kind of victim of that for a good few weeks. But I didn't tell my parents though, because I know like, if I told my mom, yeah, she'd be like, yeah, let's go back to India. Like, this is not what we came for and stuff. But yeah. Um, and what kind of bullying was it? Like, was it just like name calling? Very like physically, like into nah, like not or... physically. Because you have to remember, like, I was a small guy. I'm still small, yeah. Like, I was a short guy, skinny. So they wouldn't do anything physical at this point. But it would just, it would just be like verbal stuff. Mm. And it would be stuff that would get into your head. And you're like, oh my goodness, why? Like, like probably, I remember, like, there was another Indian guy. And they used to call him the curry boy. Because he used to be, like, I don't know where exactly he's from, I remember. But, like, he used to always, like, come from an Indian family where they cook, like, proper curry, bro. And his sweater used to, like, when he comes, like, his jacket, everything used to, like, smell of curry. So they should just call him a curry boy. Like, that probably would have got him, I don't know, mm. you know, so. But I don't remember, like, what names they used to call me. But I remember, like, just being, like, what kind of nonsense. But in a way, I used to... I used to kind of take it in, you know, I never like cried over it and like came home and like, you know, went into, into my bedroom and like cried and stuff. I didn't do none of that stuff. I just took it, I guess. But yeah. During that time where you kind of religious, like what was kind of your hope? Like what kept you going? Like where was there like a crisis where like, oh, what am I doing? Or like, how did you deal with it? Yeah. So like I was, I was not religious of my own choice. So my parents, you know, like, my mom had this condition, yeah, like, I need to auto-serve every Sunday for Mass, and I need to be home at 7 o'clock for Rosary, like, that's her condition. And my dad was, like, super disciplined, like, need to wake up in the morning, like, need to fold your bed, like, do this, do that, all of that stuff. So I, I, I was not, like, religious from choice, so that's, like, just something there within me. So that's how I grew up. Um... But when it came to this issue now, um, it wasn't like, I never took it like in the sense of, yeah, this is like, like God's with me, like he's going to fight for me and all of that. Like that's not, 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 nothing of that sort is in my head. It's just like, yeah, I'm here and God's there, you know. Um, and of course, like in India, you have a bit of catechism. So every, after every mass, like there's like kids come together and you've got like this catechesis. So I know a bit about like you know prayers and like 
like you know you have this small pe- like i think in, in england they call it penny catechism or something like that it's like a small booklet where it teaches you like you know the cardinal sins and the virtues and ten commandments and all of that stuff the precepts of the church and stuff so i knew that stuff but i never knew about like the bible and like jesus and all of that stuff it was just it was just hmm. things in my yeah. head i never knew like detailed stuff so yeah makes yeah. sense um so from that point how did you not get bullied or what what made people not yeah bully you? yeah so what happened was yeah the following year when i was in year eight we have to choose subjects so to go into like like different we can choose subjects basically so I chose like, uh, like geography, like easy things, because I'm not into studies now. I, I I hate studying, so I chose things like maths, English, and science is like compulsory. Then you can choose whatever you want. So I'm like thinking of interests, things like geography, like IT, because after we can mess around with the computers and stuff. Then uh, CDT, computer design technology, um, and then I chose music. So like when I was young. I mean, young in the sense, like five, six, yeah. My mom made sure, like, I went for piano classes. So I used to go and play the keyboard. Like, I used to be in the classes. Um, and they used to be from Trinity College, London. So they used to have a branch in Dubai. Remember, like, this guy teaching me and stuff. But when I went for my grade one exams, <laughs> yo, the guy said, we can't we can't take your child because his, his fingers don't reach the octave. <laughs> it was so small, bro. And my mom was like, okay, you can try next year and stuff. And then I just lost interest. And in Bangalore, I went for some classes, but yeah, it was, I was not consistent with it. So, so I, I just chose music thinking like I can mess around and play with instruments and stuff. But then, um, I went for my cla- music classes, bro. It was like learning about Baroque music, like classical music. <laughs> I'm like, what? what did I choose? Like, like learning theory on like how music originated and all of that stuff. But anyway, like in, in, the, in the music class, there's like 20 computers. So you can go and use one. You can use Logic and all of that softwares and stuff like that. And um, so I remember like, like one of the assignments was you need to produce certain type of music. So there was this guy here who knew how to use a software properly. And I had no clue about softwares. But he, he never knew how to play any instrument. But I had, because I had like a bit of background in, in, in keyboard and stuff. So we sat down together, we swapped ideas. And because I'm, I'm like a hip hop guy. So I started listening to hip hop way early, like from Dubai. So I have friends in Dubai who used to like be into hip hop. So I just got like the whole idea of hip hop from them. And so I used to listen to like 50 Cent and like Eminem, like from the early days. So I loved that kind of music. So now I'm here in this music class, like trying to produce like hip-hop music and stuff. And, um, yeah, I just kind of realized, like, it was not hard for me. And I guess, it, it like, it's a bit of a talent, you know, so producing things. So I should just go on a software, once I knew how to use it, just, like, produce, like, a Quick 16, Quick 32, and then it used to sound good. And I was like, wow, like, this is good. I can do something. And I remember, like, that kind of kind of carried on. And in school, like, I used to... You're not allowed to have phones here, but I used to sneak in phones. Um, and like produce like during lunch break, run into the music studio, like produce like this beat in like 15 minutes, put it on my phone, run to the playground, like play it for people, and they would just come and like freestyle. Yeah, so I kind of got like a bit of recognition from there. So basically the guys who used to bully me used to come and freestyle. 
And then because I used to produce this similar kind of music, I just got pulled into the friend circle. So that's how like the guys to bully me became my close friends. So I'm like kind of getting a bit of recognition in school. Um, and I just get sucked into this, bro. So I, like, firstly, I'm not into studies. So I'm kind of imitating what these guys are doing. Um, things like, you know, after school, like going with them and like going to music studios, like learning how to use different equipments like DJing and stuff like that. So I'm in one sense, like I'm getting into the music side of things slowly because I'm, I'm, I'm like, I'm loving music basically. So I'm getting into that. And then from this side, I'm just like, I don't want anything to do with school. Like, yeah, yeah, just like minimizing the, the, the school thing. But I didn't, I didn't tell my mom or dad about this stuff because I knew like I would get, yeah, I would get licked off, bro. But <laughs> so, yeah, just focusing on music, basically. And I, and I, I think at that point, I was like, I'm going to take music a bit seriously and go ahead. So, yeah, I get sucked into that. And then, so our school is like a, it's like a Catholic school. It's called Holy Family, yeah, um, in East London. But, and, and uh, like, two or three famous guys went to that school, like Little Bizzle, he's like a grime artist, like Ozzie B, like, grime artist, like, they all went to that school. So, it's, he already kind of has a name, but, like, the school is, like, based around, like, council estates. So, you know, like, all these kids, like, just come, and, like, they're all from, like, broken families, so they don't really give a flying monkeys, bro, like, about their grades, about their future and stuff. They just come there. Even if they don't want to like, you know, they mess around the whole day. So I'm looking at these people and I'm like, these guys are cool. So like, I want to be like them. And then I'm just doing what they're doing. So most of these guys were like, like proper drug dealers, like they were trappers. So I, for me, yeah, I didn't want to get involved in it. And I didn't even know how I got involved in it. So I never used to like, like I've never tried drugs and stuff, but my friends, like, they used to sell them. Like, even, even they, were, they were not into drugs and stuff. Like, no one, no one, like, none of, none of my friends back in the day were like, yeah, like, there's, like, cocaine, like, let's, let's smoke it or let's sniff it and stuff, yeah. But it was all about selling and making money. And for me, yeah, I used, I'm, like, good at convincing people. So I can sell you anything, bro, just by the way I speak and, like, I can convince you. And so, like, they used to, like, give me some stuff, which I used to go and, like, sell it off. And I used to keep like 30%, 40%. So I, I, like, I fell in love with money. I used to do that. Then I used to produce music. Now at this, this stage, I'm like producing beats and like selling them off. And especially like selling them off in the sense like I'm, I'm producing beats. It would take me like, I don't know, an hour to make like a proper nice beat, yeah? And then I would give it to one of my friends who would then go and liaise with the recording artist or whatever. And I'm like, I don't want all of this like like paperwork and all of that stuff to do i just love love enjoying making music i want money so give me like 60 percent of the money so <clears throat> that's what i used to do when it came to music and there was my other friend like we used to do crazy stuff bro like we used to buy this um like you know adobe photoshop here yeah? we used to buy it from alibaba do you know alibaba yeah the, the chinese mm. the website yeah we used to buy it from there and we used to sell it on eBay. So we used to buy like tons of Photoshops, like 
60, 70 boxes. And we used to get each one of them for like £20. And we used to sell them on eBay for like 120 130 And so we used to split the profits. So now I'm thinking like, so we did, we, we got the first batch. And we're selling like 30, 40 of them and people are buying. And we're on a hype, bro. We're like, we can make a living out of this stuff. <laughs> And so we used to do that. Then there were other things, like other crazy things like we used to do for money, you know. So I fell in love with money, bro. That was like the motive. I used to make money, like spend it crazily. I remember like when I first came to England, yeah, I remember like asking my mom, like, let's go to this sports shop and like buy like JDs or like JJ. Back in the day, there was like JJBs and stuff, Foot Locker. And buy like these shoes and stuff. But my mum never used to like... People think if you're like a single child, you're spoiled. But I don't think I was spoiled, bro. Like my parents were like strict to a certain extent. They never bought me like whatever I wanted. Mm. So they kind of maintained, you know, like a bit of a, a boundary over my spending and stuff. But for me, I needed that stuff. So when I made money, like I used to just splash it. I remember like buying like trainers every week, like buying clothes every week. Buying like tons of stuff every week. And just looking flashy, you know? And, um, yeah, like, I think I started DJing when I was, like, 13, 14. Um, and even, like, I wasn't, like, a like a, like a proper, you know, like a club DJ. Mm. But I still G- DJ for, like, freestyles and stuff. And not, like, the, you know, like, nowadays, like, people get, like, this, I don't know, like, the DJ Maverick Pro. Yeah, connect their USB and, and press a couple of buttons and say, like, they're DJs. But I wasn't like that, bro. I'm, like, proper... With the vinyls, you know the yeah, stuff. the turntables, yeah. yeah, the scratching, the queuing, yeah, all of that stuff. So I'm like proper into that, you know, and I used to like DJ for freestyle, so that used to give me like a good amount. Um, yeah, so just started falling in love with money, bro, and yeah, went on from there, basically. Everything everything I did was for money. Like, if, if you want to do something, like what's on the table? Like, how much do I make out of it? So I was like so money oriented, like everything was like money, money, money. Yeah. Mm. And okay. So, but that was like pretty early on in your teenagers. Yeah. Like 15, 16. Like super early. So do you think that kind of like spoiled you or like what, like what were the downsides of having money so early? Because most people start making their money when they're like after college or, or like yeah. in a part-time job during college. <clears throat> um, what kind of impact do you think that had on you other than like obviously like very focused on money yeah i don't know you know to be honest like because i was surrounded by friends who had thousands bro like these guys were like proper into it like they used to do like tons of fraud and like you know some guys like used to do crazy fraud like big money business and so for me like i thought like that was a lifestyle of like a proper london guy because i never saw like people who were like you know and i've never seen yeah a guy into like into music and at the same time like studying getting like a stars in physics and maths and stuff and then pursuing uni you know i've never seen that like the people i grew up with they were all into like this kind of stuff so for me for me like that was a reality like that's what like i'm thinking like this is it like there's nothing else beyond this so yeah so I don't know, like, what impact it kind of had mm. on me thinking I shouldn't have done it or, you know. But you need to understand, bro, London is so dangerous, yeah? It's like, 
Yeah, here's, here's a crazy story. Like, I came in December, yeah, and within, like, four or five days, like, I got robbed, bro. So, that, like, I had a bike. So, my mom's friend, who was in the UK, she won a bike through lottery, yeah. And she, like, like bare people asked her, like, yeah, can we have the bike for money and stuff? She's like, no, no, no. She wanted, she basically saved it for me. And, like, when I came, like, the next day, she gave the bike to me. It was like super super bike bro and like i remember like taking that down for a ride and then it was like nice second day gone bro third day i go to the same location you know like i'm going through this hollow ponds like it's like a it's like a woods basically like a woods and i'm going through the round and then i'm like yeah let me go home and it's like it's like a bit late but then there's something like nah this 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 bike is good let me go again so i go again yeah and like, I just see like three, four guys just coming bikes, bro. <laughs> they come and they surround me, yeah. And so they, they like, they like speaking to me like, yo, where are you from? Like, what, what's this? What's that? What? They ask me all these questions, bro. And this is like the first time in UK, bro. It's like four days into it, into me being in London. And I realized like one of the tires is broken. Like it's, it's punctured and like it's, ba it's basically broken off. I don't know how the guy brought it to that place. But they just wanted a spare tire, bro. Yeah, and they were thinking of getting it from my bike. And because they didn't have like spanners and stuff, yeah, they threw me out and they took my bike and they were gone. And I remember like crying, bro. It's just like in Hollow Pond, just crying and stuff. And um, there was this Jamaican guy who was cycling around. He came and he was like, what happened to you? Why are you crying? And um, so this guy, he was like, Tell me which direction they went to. I'll go and get your bike and stuff. So he goes. And I'm like this small guy, like, just crying. And he comes back. He's like, we don't know what to do. You need to report to the police and stuff, you know. And he kind of became a close friend. But we, I'm, this is the first time I'm meeting him. He became a close friend because I realized he's like four or five, like, doors down my house. So I walk back crying. And I'm like, London is crap, bro. Like. What happened to me? And so this was like one of the incidents. In school, we always had fights, yeah? But this this Jamaican friend used to always be like my close buddy, bro. Like whenever, you know, like I don't know if, if, if when you were in Ireland in schools, you had this like, when you're on stairs, they switch off all the lights and people just go crazy, like swinging, <laughs> yeah? For me, like I was short, bro, and I, I was not strong. So what I used to do, I used to be scared, like, I used to miss all the punches because they go by my head. But if I'm on the top of the stairs, like, I used to just jump on people, bro. <laughs> and I remember, like, I jumped on my, my friend, this Jamaican guy, and he's like, bro, what are you doing? We're supposed to be on the same team. So, like, we just became close from there, yeah? And, like, I remember, like, like I've been robbed so many times, bro, like, six, seven times in London. It's, like, so dangerous. Like, there was, like, this point when I was coming back from from like the recording studio and um you know like these these council council estates close to school they're always fighting each other so there's always fights in school and i remember like walking back and these guys come and like surround me and they're like yo what you got for me at that point i had like an mp3 player i had like two pounds for my chicken and chips all that's gone bro like boo and I'm like, bro, this is like crazy. Like, this is like everyday London. And another time, 
I never knew, yeah, people beat up other people for for no reason, bro. Like, we were walking back from school, and there was this, like, Malayali friend with us, yeah? <laughs> like, we're walking back, and a couple of these guys, like, surround us. And then, you know, we're, we're just, like, acting brave, bro. Like, we've got this testosterone in us, yeah, like... Yeah, we don't have anything for you and this and that, yeah. And this, my friend, this Malayali friend, yeah, bro, he runs. And as soon as he runs, yeah, these guys were, like, at about to attack us, yeah. They run after him. They chase him down. Yeah. And they, like, beat him, bro. And I was thinking, like, why are they beating him? <laughs> this is what they told him. He said, like, when your brothers are in trouble, like, don't leave them and run away. <laughs> Yo, they had a reason to be up that guy, bro. Oh my goodness. But anyway, like this, this, this Jamaican friend, he was always there for me. Um, in 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 these situations, yeah. Like there was there was a point where um me and Emmanuel remember like hey. passed away in twenty fifteen. Um, when we were coming from gym, like we were about to be jumped on, and um, I just like quickly texted this guy, yeah, and there were like four guys who came like threatening us and they had like knives bro and i called this jamaican guy like yo bro quick yeah and within like two three minutes these guys come in like polo cars bro bangers they just come and surround us bro and it's like this crazy scene yeah and because of him yeah i'm like rescued from like a certain situation but it's all it's all god's providence i should say yeah but what happened was one day like like he called me up and we were like um, about to go for a movie. So it's like, yo, Chris, man, let's go for a movie. So I'm like, yeah, cool, man. Let's go. Um, 15 minutes pass. He's only like five minutes away, bro. 15 minutes pass. This guy's not there. He's like, he told me he's on the way. So he should be there in like 30 seconds. Half an hour's gone. 45 minutes gone. And then I get another call saying that this guy's stabbed, bro. Wow. And I'm like, what? It's not true. And I remember going, um, going to the crime scene, yeah. This guy basically passed away, bro. He was, like, stabbed. He had, like, four or five stab wounds in critical places. And, but it, even before I got there, there was, like, police, like, there was this tent. There was, like, all these cars around. Streets were corned off. And, like, at that point, yeah, when I saw him, I was, like, that's the moment I started questioning on life. That was the first time I ever questioned on life. It was like, what is life? Like, is there a soul? Um, and if there's a soul, like, has it gone to heaven now? Like, where is it? Like, what's it, what's going to happen to his body? Like, they're going to bury him. Like, what's going to happen to him after and stuff? So all of these questions, bro. And I remember going back home. I was like, so mad. Yeah, I didn't speak to my parents. I didn't have food. Because, like, he was like my best friend. And he's, like, gone. Hey. And, like, from tomorrow, there's, like, I can't call him. Like, all of this hits you, yeah? And, like, you just become a different person. And I remember my other friend saying, like, yeah, we need to get revenge and all of this stuff. And it was all madness. But somehow, like, I never got in deeply involved in all of that stuff. Because, you know, our school is wild, bro. There were there's so many of my, like, class friends who I'm still in prison. Like... Two of them got released like two years ago and stuff. They're all like crud. So out of this, yeah, for me, like, this is like reality around me. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, I don't see anything beyond this. Like, I don't see no horizon. 
yeah my cousins in india are doing pretty good yeah they're all like gone for like doctor and nurses and all they're securing good grades but for me like this is what i see around you know what i'm saying so you were on that path yeah and what happened next like how like that that lifestyle thinking about chris in that lifestyle yeah and like seeing where you are today yeah being a seminarian yeah uh, going crazy. for priesthood how did that happen this like seems like completely two different worlds yeah i don't know man that's god's grace man like i still remember yeah so i used to i still be my mom and has to be like okay sundays i'm going to go to ultra self but the, the this rosary thing at 7 o'clock here yeah, i used to follow that for like first 3 years and after i got into the, these kind of business i was in like i used to tell my mom it is funny cuz i was cuz i was not getting the good grades i used to tell my mom like mom like there's like extra classes after school yeah which i can go to and get my grades up but really i'm not going to school bro i'm going like to the studios to after classes so my mom thinks i'm in school studying but i'm going to like all these all these different sessions so i used to be like super late some days bro i didn't even come home i used to like stay at my friend's place and you know sometimes come like super late home like 1 2 o'clock in the morning like we like my friends used to go party like in mayfair and all of that them places there so yeah i still join them bro i used to be like so small yeah i didn't even know like the bouncers in the clubs we used to be our friends so if there's like two bouncers who were like who don't like they don't know each other yeah i never used to go to the club because i'm not allowed but if the bouncer knows me yeah he'll either send me for the front or he'll be like go for the back door and then i used to just like go for the back door with like two three of my friends so i used to have like that kind of life and then i missed up all of the uh, this madness um one of my friends yeah he was like from in he's from india he was like much older to me yeah i think he was like Three or four years older to me. I don't know how. Like he was an autosaur as well, and um, he kind of invited me like for a football game. So I used to be like good in sports, but I used to play for like under under six under fifteens Essex cricket. Yeah, I used to play under fifty from school, um, and then I used to be good at football. Like I used to be decent at football. I, I was not like super good. I used to be like decent. I run around, kick the ball, and then make sure it goes in. Yeah, that, that's me. So this guy we kind of called me for a football match. Now I'm thinking like yeah, maybe like there's a tournament and maybe I might go there and you know, win something, maybe I'll get paid. So I'm asking all of these questions like, "No man, just come and just come and play for us and this and that, bro." So I'm going to this football game, bro. And this guy took me to Hainault, yeah. And there was a prayer meeting, bro. <laughs> this guy just invited me for a prayer meeting but he told me it's a football game and like so were you like completely dressed in like proper football gear yeah, going into this yeah. prayer meeting yeah I, i had my boots in the bag yeah and i think i wore jeans or something but i wore my kit and um i wore jeans i had my shorts inside thinking like it's a proper game i remember like going on a bus and this guy's like discussing like yeah we're going to do this like you're going to go on this side Yeah, after half time you're going to switch sides and I'm going to this sub's going to come on. And I'm like thinking like it's a proper game, bro. And this guy set me up, man. Walked straight <laughs> into a prayer meeting. What was his motivation? Like why did he do that? Well, looking back at it now, yeah, I think he basically wanted me like there was football after the prayer meeting, but it was not a game. It was just like kicking around. So, I think he wanted me 
to come for that, yeah. But he probably had an agenda of, you know, like this stuff. I don't know. But he just called me. <laughs> so funny, bro. I, I remember like walking into the room. Yeah, and everyone's like praying and stuff. And I'm like awkwardly sitting there like, what's happening? Like someone's there with a the guitar, like like leading worship. And I'm like, what? Yeah, I thought people were hypocrites, bro. Because for me, there was nothing like prayer meetings in my life. For me, it was like Sunday worship was the only thing there. And evening rosaries. I've never seen anything else. Yeah, when I was like young, my mom and dad used to take me for retreats because they wanted to go. But I never used to attend. I used to just sit down because I never understand like what the, the, the priest is saying like because it's like heavy stuff and bro retreats in india is a madness bro you got like speakers like just throwing out all these decibels yeah and the mics like you know they hold the mic so close and they just shout bro i don't know what like it's mad i used to hate retreats and like i never understood sometimes you go for these retreats without not knowing how many bad things are there yeah but you go to a retreat and the priest is like saying oh you're not supposed to do this you're not supposed to do that and like you're like what I didn't even know people do this. So you basically learn a lot of sins yeah, by going to a retreat down outside. You know what I'm saying? So for me, retreat was like, nah, it's a no-go place. But so I'm, I'm here. And this guy is like invited me for a prayer meeting. I'm just sitting there. I'm like furious. And um, um, yeah, man, I just, and there I meet like a couple of people who I've never met like before. And I met this guy who is from Bangalore as well so till, until now i've never met anyone from bangalore so this is like 2009 i've never met anyone from from bangalore so when i met like this guy from bangalore i'm like what i didn't know like there's another person from you know bangalore and stuff and then we started speaking in Kannada and stuff like and i was like whoa this is crazy it's like proper awkward but he took my phone um he took my details and back in the day i used to have like three phones bro I used to have like like a Sony Ericsson, yeah, the, those old phones, like a Walkman phone, yeah, where you have the, the, the keypad stuff, and then you, you, you swipe the screen down, and then you have like pause play and stuff, so that those was old only, ones. yeah, Love the old ones. Walkman <laughs> phones, I used to have that, I used to have like BBM only for girls, that was only like exclusive for girls, yeah, and then I used to have a brick phone, you know, the ones, that was for like trapping. So you have the brick phones so that they can't track where you are. Yeah. <laughs> and you have the, all these other phones for like all these nonsense that you do. So yeah, he took my details anyway. And then I used to have this other guy like calling me, bro. Like, yo, Chris, how you doing? I'm just calling to check how you're doing. And like, yeah, did you pray today? I'm like, what? This is mad random, bro. He's just calling me and asking, like, how have I prayed today and stuff. Like, these are the questions that you never hear. Like, I've never heard anyone ask me, like, have you prayed? That's like a private thing, yeah? So my mind is like, this guy's crazy. Why is he asking me all of this stuff? But later on, I came to know, like, um, you know, this guy's, like, just trying to, like, follow me up. You know, just, just, just asking me, bro, like, how I'm genuinely doing. And I found, like, that to be proper legit because, like, who's... Who else is there to kind of call you and check if you're all right? Like, I never had friends, yeah, who used to just call me and check if I'm all right. Like, we always used to do things. Like, I had tight friends, but we always had a motive to do. Like, we either go watch a movie, like, do something crazy, have this meal or whatever. But no one called and said, yo, I'm just calling to check how you're doing. Like, no one, no one did that. But we always meet each other and we know each other really well. But this guy, I found, found was, like, proper legit, like, asking me, like, yeah, like, how are you doing? 
that kind of stuck with me, bro. I was like, okay. So he invited me for a prayer meeting now. And like, I'm, I'm really not interested to go. But because it was in my parish where I used to altar serve, and because this guy constantly used to call me, I was like, okay, let me give it a try. Yeah, I'll just go for the sake because, yeah. And then I go. Um, again, like the lead in worship and stuff, they're, they're like, just, you know, like someone's leading praise and worship, someone's explaining the scriptures. For me, I found it super awkward, bro, like to raise your hands and praise and stuff. Mm. I found that like mad. So did you only go because he was just persistent? Like he was just like always ringing you? Well, I found him to be legit because he asked me how I was doing. And he used to call me and ask me like how I'm doing. So you, you, so you kind of built that trust that, okay, he really cares for you Yeah, he really cares. There's yeah. some guy who's like different and he really cares for me. Like I want to see like what this guy is on about. So, and because he was calling. So there were like two motives. So I didn't want to disappoint him as well because we used to have like good conversations. I used to reason with him, bro. I'm like, yeah, God, God is like this and that. Like if there's God, like why is he suffering? Like, you know, all of this stuff. And did he kind of give you answers or like how did those conversations end? Because what was your attraction other than like, obviously, I think from what I'm understanding, the attraction was that he seemed genuine, even though he might yeah. have had all the answers. I think that's the main thing. He was just genuine. But yeah, I don't think he, he answered all my questions, uh, but he might have given me like answers here and there. Like, but I was not satisfied with all these answers because, you know, like, it, like Christians, yeah, they're good at like formulating answers that like kind of benefit them. But they don't give like the actual truth. Do you know what I'm saying? So mm. I felt like this is like, yeah, some nonsense, bro. But at least this guy has been genuine. He's calling me. So let me just go for one. So that's, that's how I ended up going for one. Okay. Yeah. And then, yeah, I went, bro. And um, yeah, to be honest, they were good looking girls. So I just kept going. Six <laughs> months, I was like, my attendance was like 100%, bro. And, like, I built, like, good relationship with girls and stuff. For me, yeah, it was always, like, from a very young age, like, from school, we just speak to girls and, like, we go guy friends to do other dodgy stuff. Like, we always, like, go parties with girls. Like, like girls are, like, central to our, to our mindset in school. But, like, probably from an Indian cultural, yeah, context, yeah, Girls is like, yeah, only until you're married, like, otherwise you don't interact with them and stuff, you know? Mm. Like, that's, that, that's like the, the cultural thing. So I didn't even know that after coming to JY, like, the, like that was a culture. Like, for me, at home, like, we, we don't discuss about girls and stuff. Yeah, I would have got licked off. But that's, that's the kind of guys I grew up with. So I feel like that's the norm. So I'm mingling with girls, like, there's parties, like, every week. Like, people are getting drunk and, like, yeah, so... For me, that was like the main thing. So I used to go for prayer meetings because it's girls. And I generally used to chat to them and like, they used to text me, BBM. <laughs> yeah, back in the, bro, BBM was a thing back in the day. And yeah, man. So I just started going for prayer meetings, bro. So six months, 100% attendance. Yeah. Saying that, yeah, the attendance in my school, yeah, bro, was like 30 something percent, bro. <laughs> so and, when you went to these prayer meetings, your motivation was girls, right? Yeah. But... Did you get anything from the prayer meetings? Uh, like, like I mean, you had to kind of go and sit there for the whole thing, right? Yeah. Yeah, I, I had to go and sit for the whole thing, yeah. I remember once, yeah. I think it was my second prayer meeting. Like, this other guy asked me to lead, bro. 
And he was like, yeah, don't worry. Like, you can just say, like, something. If you, if you run out of ideas, like, I'll help you out. <laughs> Wait, is this, is this, like, praise and worship? Or are, are you very asked to, like, lead a session? Uh, like, he, he asked me to lead praise and worship, yeah? But I don't know what praise and worship is. Like, I've got no idea what prayer <laughs> meeting is. So what I did was I asked the guy who invited me all of this stuff. Like, because he used to go for prayer meetings, yeah? And he had a model of things that you do. So I just took that model and I went. Yeah, and I remember like, so so the guy who told me to lead praise and worship, like we're sitting together, he's nudging me. Yeah, lead, bro, lead, lead. I'm like, what do you do? So I'm just reading like Psalms, bro. <laughs> so this guy had Psalms written down. Yeah, he had like five Psalms written down. So I'm reading one, and I'm like, I'm telling him like, I'm done. Like, what do you do? <laughs> and he's like, then he starts saying something like, you know, and then. There's like a song and he's like, lead, lead, lead. I'm like, would you lead? So I read the next psalm. But this time the psalm is smaller. So I'm like taking my time to read it. So that's my like, <laughs> that's my second or third prayer meeting, you know? So it's crazy, man. Oh my goodness. Yeah. So that was like the, the, yeah, basically it was girls, but yeah, this, this leading and stuff. I, after, after that, actually, I didn't want to go back because I messed it up so much and I didn't really know like how you're supposed to do it. Yeah. But. Yeah, it's just one it's of just those. Thrown things. In the deep yeah, end. just thrown in the deep end. Yeah, just thrown in the deep. Like, yeah, deep end. Like, proper deep end. Without knowing what the deep end <laughs> is. Like, yeah. But it's, it was fun. It was fun. Yeah, looking back at it now, it's just like all laughs, bro. Uh, yeah. I can imagine. Um, so you were going six months, and then, and then what happened afterwards? Yeah, six months. Um, and then we get invited for a retreat. Now, like, retreat is, like, for me, already I have this thing in my mind, no retreats, bro. Yeah, so. And was that because <clears throat> you had, like, really good attendance? They thought that, like, you were, like, really into this stuff, or we got to, like, get Chris to a retreat? I don't know. I think, I think at that point, they held retreat for people who were, like, from London. Like, young people who were from London. So, they just invited me, and I was like, no way. No way I'm going. But the only reason I went was because of these girls from the prayer meeting. Like, you see, like, from their perspective, yeah, they never get, um, what do you call that, sleepover? Yeah, when mm. friends come and sleep, yeah? Yeah. So they don't have, like, the sleepover, bro, because, like, their families, they know each other, yeah? So they don't let them go out and sleep in their friends' place and stuff like that. Like, that's a, that's a no-go for them, yeah? But for me, like, that's a common thing with my friends, yeah? But for them, they want to have these these sleepovers with their friends, yeah? Just like have a movie night or something. But if their parents don't allow. So they come for retreats, bro. Because in a retreat, three-day residential retreat, you're basically like, you know, the whole day you're with, with your friends, your friends yeah. and stuff. And you can like chill and all of that stuff. So... All these girls are like signing up and their parents are thinking like, yeah, my daughter is holy. Like, my son is like proper holy. Yeah, he's going for a retreat and stuff. But they don't know the motivation behind, you know, they're mm. going for a retreat. So I'm like, yeah, anyway, like these girls are going for retreats. This guy's going for a retreat some miles ago. Yeah, so go for a retreat. It was held in Bethnal Green. Um, and I remember like the first day I was messing around, bro. Now, like... I wasn't messing around in the sense like being like super disruptive, but I wasn't like paying attention to whatever it was said, yeah. And I remember like there were like topics like God's love and like, yeah, 
this is this is how crazy it sounds. Like imagine telling someone that someone who has no idea about faith, yeah, that there's this powerful God, yeah, and He loves you so much, yeah, and that because of sin, you can't do anything. So He sent His Son, and then His Son died, so that you're free. Like if you're not into like Christ Christianity, bro, that just sounds like mad. That sounds like some. I don't know, it sounds like some Tom and Jerry stuff. So for me, like, I'm thinking, like, this is some nonsense, bro. But because I had, like, a background of catechesis, I'm thinking, yeah, maybe, like, like, maybe our faith is just this and stuff. But I'm, I'm being, like, super uh, skeptical here. And so the first session goes, I'm like, yeah, whatever. Second session comes, same thing. I'm, like, being very... I'm being very closed, basically. I don't want to, like, I don't want to know the truth as well at one point. I'm like, because I know, like, this is some BS. So I don't want to know the truth. Even if you're going to convince me, I'm not going to be convinced. So whatever. And then I remember, like, the third session, like, um, this person was taking a session on how, like, the riches, yeah? Like, if you're rich and if, if your mind is fully on riches, yeah, you can't really enter the kingdom of God. You know the rich man's passage? The guy goes yeah. back sad, mm -hmm. yeah? So this guy's taking, taking a, a, a session on that. And I'm thinking like, I'm, I'm like fully money oriented, you know, like my, my mind is like money. Yeah. You can't speak to me anything about anything else. It's all about money. And this guy's saying, if you've got money and your mind's on money, your heart's on money, you can't go into the kingdom of God. So then I'm telling my friend, like, yo, ask this question, bro. Cause I'm scared of, of the preachers, bro, because mm. I have no biblical knowledge. Yeah, so if I say something, he might just say, yeah, John 3.16 or like Mark 5.20 or something. And I'm like, what's that? You know? So I'm telling this guy, you'll ask this question. If anything... And is this, is this guy the guy who invited you to? No, 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 no. He's my, he's my best friend. Rest in peace, man. He passed away in 2015. Oh, in a wow. car accident. Yeah, he's like my close friends, wow. bro. Um, so his name is Emmanuel. Um, yeah, sorry to hear that. Yeah. So, so I, I, I'm, I'm like pushing this guy. Yo, ask, bro. So this is the guy who used to make all this Photoshop. Um, and like the, the, you know, like buy oh, Alibaba. Oh yeah, the Alibaba one. Mm. Alibaba things and all these side businesses with this guy's idea, bro. He's like a proper businessman. He has all these crazy ideas. And like, I'm like, I'm the guy who's like delivering it. So we got in trouble so many times, yeah, from our parents. But anyway, yeah, fun memories, bro. Yeah, but he, yeah, so I'm telling him, like, yo, ask this question, bro. And he's asking the question, and they're going back and forth. And I'm sitting down, like, looking at the guys teaching, like, preaching, and looking at him. And if I'm not convinced, I'm like, yo, ask this, bro, ask this. So they're asking, and that's how I'm, like, messing up the whole session, bro. So you, you can imagine, there's, there's, like, 35 or 40 people, bro. And it's just, like, we're getting back and forth with one point. So the point is, like, it's okay to be businessmen, yeah? Like, you need money. Like, I need to buy a house. I need, like, a five-bedroom house. It's okay to have a Beamer. Like, it's okay to have a Merc. Like, why can't you go into that, gain to heaven if you have all of these things? So the preacher's coming from a different perspective. He's like, it's all right to have all of these things, but you can't be, like, a slave to these things. But at that point, you don't understand all these technical words, bro. So we're just having this argument. Anyway, the day goes by. First day gone, second day gone. Same thing. Now, the third day, bro, is like adoration. Yeah, now, adoration is like, for me, I never like, 
yeah, of course, mass is there. So apparently, when the priest does this, the Holy Spirit comes down, and and the the bread becomes the body and stuff. So if if you're not a Christian again, that just sounds like some next level black magic. Yeah. So you need to have faith to a certain extent. Because I was all to serve, I did I did kind of believe, but not fully. You know. So you just believe because your parents have told you and all of that stuff. So now I'm I'm in front of this adoration, bro, in the chapel, and I remember like. Just thinking like, yeah, this is some nonsense, bro. Let me just go home. I need to go home. So it's a Sunday, yeah. It's in the afternoon. And like everyone's like kneeling down. Blessed Sacrament's exposed. There's like some girl singing in the back, like leading worship. Someone's playing a guitar or a keyboard, something like that. And then this person's saying like, surrender your life to God. And for me, that's like, what, what does that mean? Yeah. Have you been like, have you had like these times here when you ask questions, when you're, when you're like basically not in faith and you have like these basic questions, but people don't know how to answer basic questions. That's what it felt like, bro. Like I remember asking someone, yeah, I used to struggle with prayer, like personal prayer. I mean, I still do, yeah, but it was at a point where I didn't understand why you need it and stuff. So I remember like asking this person in JY, like, yo, how, how do you pray? And, th and this person was like, yo, Chris. Like, when you pray, you need to open the eyes of your heart. <laughs> and you're like, what? What does that even mean, bro? Like, open the eyes of your heart. Like, I never knew, like, your heart has eyes and stuff. You know that song, like, well, yeah. eyes? Like, what does that even mean? Do you know what I'm saying? Mm. So, for me, that's, that stuff like that is nonsensical, bro. Like, I need proper answers. Like, why do you pray? Like, this is why you pray. And stuff like that. You can't just come up so and you're say, pretty like, logical. In yeah, I'm proper thinking. rational, yeah. bro. Proper, like I need, I need answers. Otherwise, yeah. At that point, mm. at that point, but now it's like different. Um, yeah. So I'm like looking at this monstrance. I'm like, yeah, but really, if the priest just does this and he has no faith, like, does the Holy Spirit come down? So I'm asking all these questions, bro, in adoration. So this person's like, you know, surrender your life to God. Now, what does that even mean? Like, how do you surrender your life to God? Like, what do you do? Like physically, yeah. What do you do? To surrender your life to God. It don't make sense, bro. So I'm like, yeah, this person's like just saying words. Yeah, just freestyling. And a <clears throat> couple minutes have gone past. She's saying like, if you can't surrender your life to God, like just say I surrender and stuff. And um, bro, when, when I heard that, yeah, there was like this thought inside of me that said like, like, what do you have to lose? Like, there's nothing to lose in saying something, you know. So I might as well say it. So I just said it, bro, like, Lord, I surrender my life to you. Without knowing what it means, yeah, I just said it. And I said it, like, for two, three times. And I just remember, like, I started weeping, bro, out of nowhere. Now, like, I started crying, yeah. I'm a London guy, yeah. Like, throughout my teenage years, I've been robbed, like, six, seven times in London. I was at knife point at one point, yeah. I've been beaten up in school like friendly fights and stuff. I've never cried, bro. But I'm here in the chapel in front of the monstrance and like tears are coming out. I don't know what's happening to me. I'm like weeping and like I'm looking at other people. They're crying. I'm, I don't know what's happening. So anyway, I start crying, crying, crying. Suddenly, bro, I realized like the life I was living was not right. Like, I don't know how I realized it, but I just realized it. Like there was this deep sense of like thing inside, like an intuition inside of me saying like, bro, what you're doing is wrong, bro. Like, 
and, and today I can say that's the Holy Spirit. Yeah, it was convicting me of the sins that I was leading a like crazy life. But then, like I started weeping, and then I had like this vision, like just closing my eyes and like I had this vision. It's like a two second vision, yeah, but it felt like two hours. I was like in 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 like this in like an island, like full of pastures. I was like kneeling down. And I see a guy dressed in white just come up to me, like hold my right hand or my left, one of the hands, and then just walk like a couple of steps ahead. Wow. Yeah. And like, and, and I, suddenly I was like shaken, bro. And I just opened my eyes and I see like Blessed Sacrament. And I felt like it's just looking into my eyes. Yeah. Bro, that stuff, whatever happened that day, that was like my, I knew like that was something deep. And I felt like this deep joy and like peace. You know, I don't even know. Like you can't, you can't really express it in words, you know. Because mm. like these experiences, you can just like describe it. But you can't really, you know, say it in words. Like you, you just feel. But yeah, that's what happened, bro. I think like that was, well, not I think, I know. Like that was like the encounter. Like that was that, that moment where I went back. I remember like after that stuff, I was like, yeah. None of this BS, bro. No, no more. And I went back home, yeah. I didn't speak for like two, three days. Um, and like I threw my like phones away. And I remember like speaking to this guy and I was like, yo, I need to come for JY prayer meetings regularly. Like I feel like there's something here. And then like there's, there's a sense of like every time a person like breaks the word. Mm. I feel like, whoa, like, this is some deep stuff. Like, it's just not a book. Like, there's something that that has a lot of parables, a lot of meaning. There's a lot of depth to it. So this is like in 2010, when I was like 18, 19. And yeah, man. So ever since that, I just wow, continued in JY. Yeah. Wow. That was um, my turning point. So you had that encounter, that vision. And then was your life kind of like just change just like that with all the decisions that you made? Or was that like a more gradual change or, or at least in some things maybe, right? Like what was that journey like? Yeah, there were some things that changed like that. I remember going back home, yeah, going on Facebook. I deleted like many of my friends, bro. And that's not a wise thing to do actually. Yeah, but I, I, I just did it. I don't know why I did it. But I, I kind of, I, and, and that was a year when you have to kind of move away from sixth form or something and you got, you're going to uni. So I knew like, I don't need these friends anymore. So I just, I just deleted them from our Facebook. Yeah. And that time it was like MSN. So close off MSN, all of that stuff. Yeah. And I just kept like a few close friends to myself. And um, yeah, so, so that was like a major change. The gradual change was like, of course, like in terms of behavior and stuff. Like I wasn't a superstar the next day. Like I had to learn a lot, like in terms of morality, like living like a moral life. Um, yeah, things like that, you know. What advice do you have for someone mm. who is at that crossroad where they haven't had their own personal encounter experience, uh, but they want to, like they're looking for, like they just want God to prove himself, right? And they want to know if all this is real. Uh, what should they be kind of praying for or seeking? Um, because sometimes like people just don't know 
what to do. Uh, and they're just like looking for this encounter because we hear like so many stories of like people having all these amazing encounters and experiences. And then you just wish like, when's that going to happen to me? You know, like, yeah. when, like God just prove himself to me. Yeah. 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 Um, that's a good question, bro. I think like, this is what I think here. If, if God, well, God, God really desires to kind of reveal himself, um, in different ways to different people, but it's, it also depends on our cooperation. So we kind of need to have, um, an open heart. Yeah. So that when he reveals himself, like, you know, it's that moment because I know some people, bro, who, who have no personal experience, but they just go off in, in conviction. Like they know, like that God exists, that I need to worship him. Like they don't find it difficult, you know, to kind of doubt, I guess, because they, they just, they just convinced, bro. But someone like me, like I need to be convinced. So for me, like. I would say if there's anyone like that, yeah, if one of you guys, then probably, you know, have an open, open heart, basically. Um, and God, 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 you know, he's your father, bro. Like he wants himself to be revealed in your life. And it's not like a puzzle, you know, like kind of like solving mysteries and like stuff like that. It's a relationship. So, you know, the more, the more you get into a relationship with God, even before that, actually, like, you know, if you if you really have like an open heart of like yeah I want to know if God really exists and you're kind of seeking it yeah then God will reveal Himself to you. There's there's a there's a good story about Saint Augustine. I'm not sure if you heard of this yeah. So you know Saint Augustine was a crazy guy yeah. He was worse than me, and uh, he he was into like Manichaeism and all of that stuff, and like his mom Monica was like praying for this guy, like, yo, we need, my son needs to come back to the, to the faith and stuff. But anyway, this guy's like super intellectual, bro. Augustine's like super intellectual. And like, somehow, Monica sets up this thing about St. Ambrose and Augustine going and meeting him. And St. Ambrose meets Augustine, yeah. And um, St. Ambrose is like proper, like, amazed by Augustine's intellectual knowledge. And so St. Ambrose goes to, um, Augustine's mom, Monica, and he's like, your son's like gifted with wisdom, you know, with, with knowledge. And, um, then he meets Augustine back and he's like, Augustine, like, what are you doing? You know? And Augustine at this point, he's not a Christian or whatever. Yeah. Augustine says like, I'm searching for the truth. Yeah. And this line, what Ambrose said next, like, hits me hard every time, bro. So St. Ambrose goes back to Augustine, like, Augustine, you silly guy. Like, you don't have to search for the truth. The truth is searching for you. So it's like, that hits you hard, bro. Mm. Because more than, like, you searching for Jesus, like, he's searching for you. Like, more than anything. More than even you decide to search for him, like, he's always, like, looking for your heart, you know. He's looking for you. So he has, like, he has more desire for you than you probably have for him, you know? So, yeah, just have an open heart, bro. Keep, mm. keep seeking. And, yeah, and the Lord will reveal in his time, you know? So, yeah, don't be um, discouraged uh, if you've not had a personal encounter yet. But it's always good to have an encounter. Because um, we're all humans. We're all rational. We always work by 2 plus 2 equals 4. So, yeah. I'll, yeah. I'll just say that. Cool.
So after this encounter, how did you, from that point, get to the point where you're like, okay, priesthood is your calling? Because even that, yeah. even from that point to priesthood mm. seems like such a big jump. Yeah, it is. Um, it's a big jump here if you take it from point to point, but it's a journey, mm. you know, so like every journey you're, you're like kind of stepping up to respond to his call. Um, so for me, like I got involved in JY because I wanted to know more about like Jesus like scriptures for anyone who doesn't know what jy is you mentioned yeah. that quite a bit so maybe jy intro. jy is this amazing movement yeah it's relative but it's an amazing movement called jesus youth um it's a lay movement that was um that kind of had its humble beginnings in in india in kerala i think in 1985 or something around that time but yeah now it's like super active in different countries so what so Jesus Youths, yeah, Jesus Youth, the short form is JY. So the, the main charism is like youth ministry, f focusing on youth, bringing youngsters back, having a platform for them to come together, to have that encounter. So that's like, speaking about encounter, that's like the main charism of Jesus Youth, you know, making sure we create a platform so that youths encounter Christ. So that's what we do. Um, we've got this, um, our spirituality is like six pillars. So, you know, like a pillar is like something that holds a building. I mean, not one, yeah, but there's like different pillars, but pillars, that's what usually they do. So it's like six of these kind of hold our spiritual life, you know? So it's like personal prayer, word of God, sacraments, fellowship. Uh, What is the rest, bro? Yeah, my mind's gone blank, bro. Personal prayer, word of God, sacraments, fellowship, evangelization, evangelization option, option for, for the, the poor. poor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Evangelization and option for the poor. I missed the two key things. <laughs> anyway. Yeah, um, so these six things kind of hold um, as up spirit. Technically, it's like a, like every Catholic or Christian should be involved in this, you know, like personal prayer, mm -hmm. word of God, sacraments if you're a Catholic. Um, and then the first three sacraments are like something personally for you. And then because of your relationship with God, the other three pillars kind of follow you. So did I say first three sacraments, first three pillars? Yeah. It's mm -hmm. like to build your relationship with God. And then the other three pillars, it's like an outward extension of based on that relationship with God, you go out and you do things. So cool. So this was this yeah. movement. So this is a movement that you went to uh, your first prayer meeting, the football uh, yeah, thing, prayer meeting to everything. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so gosh, so this was a movement who were kind of very influential in, in your whole, whole faith journey, almost to yeah. all the stories yeah. that you pointed so yeah. far, right? Yeah, so it was it was very influential because in 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 Jesus Youth, yeah, in JY, I'm gonna refer Jesus Youth as JY. Um, in JY, I found like, as I as I got to know more of it, like nationally, I found like there's youngsters like who are like proper into faith, bro. I never f like I've never seen like youngsters into faith. Like for me, faith and church stuff was all old people. Like when I'm old, 60, mm. I'm going to go back to church. I'm going to go back for mass. Yeah. Until then, don't disturb me. And that was my attitude. But like, I used to see like young people, like so vibrant in faith, like they're going around, like speaking about Jesus. And I'm like, yeah, this is like, you know, something like I've never seen stuff like this before. So something to look into. And so as I'm getting like into JY, I see these things and then I'm suddenly drawn into JY. 
and um, I used to be active in in prayer meetings that were held um, in Walthamstow. Then there was one in in West London, South West London, close to Brixton. Forgot the name of the place, but yeah, I used to go there. And then you yeah, usually travel um, up and down for different programs, help out. Um, I used to come to Cardiff a lot because they did like a nativity play, so I used to help out in music. I mean, music in the sense like it was like a drama. So I was there like helping them like record stuff and all of that stuff. Um, so yeah, I got involved in JY like that, bro, and slowly like got so much into it. Um, like that kind of became like my central point, basically. Like anything and everything I had to do was like JY, like what's next? JY stuff, you know. So mm. my whole my whole kind of like priority and everything, yeah, in this world was like JY. And at this yeah. point I was working as well. So yeah, after my after my sixth form, I joined uni part time, Maryville Institute. So I was doing philosophy there uh, for five years. And then at the same time, because it was part-time, I was working in a hospice, in St. Joseph's Hospice. And, um, yeah, so I was working, like, I, I was I was not, like, a permanent employee. I was working on bank. So the pay is more, yeah, and you can take off anytime you want. Mm. You can go in anytime you want. So it's flexible in that way. And, yeah, it's to be making money, keeping it in my pocket again. Because I'm staying at home, so no need to pay for mortgage or rent, foods there at home so i used to pay for my universities and stuff yeah university fees and stuff yeah so kind of self-sufficient so, yeah so since we're on chatting about jy maybe it might be helpful to also touch on community and community playing a part in our own spiritual journeys right because i know jy was your community uh, and for me as well for my own journey uh, but i think people don't realize how you can't be a Christian on your own, individually, just somewhere yeah. in the wilderness doing your own thing, you know, and how fellowship and community is so important to like push each yeah. other and, and go there. So you might touch on that and, and maybe just the importance of that. Yeah. Now, when you're speaking about it, there's a hymn that came to my mind. Um, no man can live as an island, journeying through life alone, you know. So you can't live basically by yourself. Yeah. No matter how self-sufficient you are, like, you always need community, bro, to sustain. Unless you're Jesus, yeah? So... Well, even Jesus, I mean, yeah, Trinity, Jesus they, need he has his yeah, own community. Yeah, community, bro. <laughs> even if you're God, you need community, yeah? <laughs> Not that you need it, but community is, like, what we're created for. Like, you know, we always have this longing for friendship, you know? Like, we're created for that. We always have this longing. Like Augustine says, yeah? Like, our hearts are restless until they rest in, in God. So we can't think, like... Like me by myself in this place, like living, it's not normal, bro. Mm. Unless you really have the gift, like if you're a hermit or something, yeah, and you're called for a deeper contemplative kind of a calling, um, then yeah, you can think about like living by yourself. But a normal human being, not that they're abnormal, but like, you know, in a normal setup, like always community is like the way to go ahead because when you fall down, your community helps you get back up. When they fall down, you help them get back up. So it's always this this kind of, you know, balance. And in terms of JY, it's not a community where you kind of live in together. Um, it's not that kind of community, but it's a, it's a community of kind of having authentic friends who, like, who check up on, like, 
remember the phone call yo how you doing like that's like the beginning of community for me bro like how's your prayer life some weird questions but you know like that's like the the beginning of my life of like community um but yeah community has always been a blessing for me um it, even in jy there's like something called cell uh c-e-l-l so it's like a group of you know youngsters like at least like close friends you don't have to be close friends but like from the same kind of gender so male female like you feel very close and you want to like you need that kind of um friendship to kind of grow then they do recommend having like a cell group so i have a cell group there's like three of us um and it's not super active now yeah but it used to be like we used to be like so active bro it's not active because like these guys are married bro like they've got kids now yeah so they're like changing nappies all the time they ain't got time for zoom calls and stuff um yeah so we we like i remember like i think i grew so much in uh, like having a cell group because i used to like whenever like i needed help those were my go-to guys when they need help i was a go-to guys we share all stuff intimate stuff there's no like shame like nothing that basically they're, they're like your brothers you know like them they're, they're like my older brothers and they're always there for me like we used to come together once a week and pray we used to meet up and it's a beautiful place where you kind of like you know if you're gifted with charisms you can kind of like try and test it out as well you know uh yeah so cell groups like that's another um like a, a small thing in a community where you can kind of grow um yeah so that's it bro and for me like community has always been part even outside jy like in seminary seminary is a type of community um and now i'm living in in northampton that's like community mm. my first six months was always community it's not like you know it's not very easy to live it's not like you know when you're living in community you're like living in a five-star hotel like but in, in the community you're going to brush sides but that's what's going to help you grow yeah. That's like, so for anyone listening who was looking into faith seriously, but they don't have a community, like maybe they're going to mass, um, like how would someone find a community of people who who would care, like like that other mm. elder was to you, ringing up and be like, "How's your prayer life?" Yeah, I mean, I guess like there's a lot of communities um, that you can kind of search up. I guess uh, so. There's I know if you're in England, there's like different kind of communities like the Shemenyuf community, Zion community, there's Opus Dei, Jesus Youth, um, there's many bro, U2000, so you can have like friends from there, um, living together as well, I know, I know like a couple of friends from U2000 who are living together, um, not as a brand, but they're like friends mm. from there, and when they go uni, they're like just living together in one kind of an accommodation, and they like, you know, the beautiful thing about them here is like, they have their own space. And at the same time, they do things together as a community. So they have like morning prayer and there's no one like above them to kind of judge them. Like, oh, you're not on time today. It's only like the four of them, you know, so they decide and they help each other and they pray together. They eat together. They go out together. So, yeah, cool. Google's the best place. I don't know, <laughs> but... I'm sure like in our future podcasts, like you'll speak about communities and yeah, explore yeah. a bit more on yeah. Um So coming back to your story, oh, so yeah. community played a big part. Um, and then after that, you were going, you were mentioning about how it's iterative steps to then get you to where you are today. 
Yeah. So what was that journey like? Yeah, so that was uh, discerning my vocation. So, bro, I never wanted to be a priest, bro. Like, never in my wildest dream did I think, like, I would end up being a priest. Um, but, yeah, again, in JY, there was this thing about vocation discernment. Like, everyone's got this vocation of holiness. Like, everyone's cool to be holy. But then you have your, like, secondary vocation or your state of life. Like, what is your state of life going to be? Is it going to be priesthood? Is it going to be marriage? Is it going to be single celibate life? And I, I had all of these things in my head. But for me, like, I I still, like, never wanted to be a priest. I always wanted to get married. Like, I had my ideal family. I had all my five kids named. Yeah, I was probably going to be in London or New York, like, doing some crazy, either, like, business or, like, a high high-profile job. I don't know how I was going to get there, but I knew I was, like, that's what I wanted to do. But at one point when I was in JY, like, because in adoration, I had this profound experience, yeah. When I was working in, in St. Joseph's Hospice in, in London, in Hackney, um, like, I used to go, during my breaks, I used to go to the chapel. So, like, 12 o'clock, there used to be mass, and after that, there used to be adoration. So, I used to go for mass, adoration, like, every day whenever I'm working. And, and my boss was, like, happy about it. So, I say, like, I'm not going to go on lunch breaks. I'm just going to go use that time to mm. go for mass and stuff. And it was a Catholic hospice, so there's always, always a priest who used to come and celebrate mass. Um, so I remember, like, in one adoration, bro, there, there was this thought of priesthood. I was like, no, man, this can't be it. Like, I remember, like, walking out of adoration, like, thinking, no, like, something happened to me. And, like, basically going down months down the line, like the thought of priesthood just started growing like stronger and stronger and stronger. And I remember like going back home one day, my dad's sitting in the lounge watching this EWTN um, TV channel, yeah? And I'm just walking past the room. And um, yeah, like I see this Franciscan friar, bro, like a thick beard. He's not the best looking guys, yeah, on TV, but like, he had something on his face, like some grace, bro. There was like this grace, like just radiating out through the TV. So I'm just walking by and I'm looking at him and he's speaking about something. And I'm like, whoa, that's very attractive. I don't know if it was a habit and stuff. Maybe it was. But I would like to say like, it's, it's probably something much beyond that. Yeah. So, and then at the bottom, there's this subtitle which said like Franciscan Friars of the Renewal. So I go on Google, I look these guys up. And, um... They're like 20 minutes from my place, bro. They're in Canning Town. So I'm like, what? I didn't even know like these priests exist here. So I thought I was like, well, American. So I called this priest and I, and I went to his place. I went to Canning Town, yeah. And I was like, Father, I don't know what's happening. I had this profound experience. I'm, I'm part of this, this thing called Jesus Youth. Like, I need some help, yeah. So this priest is like, wait, hold on, bro. What are you talking about? Like, this is the first time I'm meeting him, bro. And like, we go in, I sit down and I just explain everything that happened to me. And it was like a good an hour, an hour or two, like worth of chat. And he kind of became a spiritual director and he kind of directing, directing me um, spiritually. And um, that's Father Emmanuel Mansford, CFR, for those of you guys who know him. Yeah. Shout out to Father Emmanuel. So he was like a big part of my life in, in helping me make a decision to, to priesthood. Him. 
And then in JY, I told one other person, with two other people. Uh, one was my guy who used to call me and say like, yo, how are you doing? So I still had good friend friendship with mm. him. Uh, he's he's now in Bahrain. He's not in, in the UK. So I told him, yo, there's like this desire within me. And then there's another guy who I called my elder. Um, so elder in Jesus Youth is like um, a kind of a mentor uh, who kind of journeys with you. Uh, he's, a, he's like a lay person who has some kind of experience being in the renewal, being in the movement. And he kind of helps you, you know, um, not to take decisions, but, you know, pray with you and like basically be there for you like an elder brother. So I told him as well. And when I told him, like he started laughing at me, bro. He's like, what? Yeah, that's like, that's some BS. Like, <laughs> so like, he couldn't believe it. But, and, and he always used to discourage me. Like, he used to be like, nah, like, wait, I don't think so. Why do you want to be a priest? Like, why is this coming to you? For me, bro, I don't even know. Like, I'm, I'm telling him, like, I don't want to be a priest like that. It's just a thought that's coming to me. So anyway, Father Emmanuel Mansford now, I'm, 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 I'm running between these three people and they're all helping me. And I think in like 2014 or 15, I kind of make a decision. Like, I have to make a decision, bro. I'm like 22. My mom's like, you know, what are you doing in life kind of like situation. And I'm like, I don't know. So I kind of make a decision through priesthood. Like there's like tons of stuff that happened, yeah? Like in terms of the Lord leading me, um, me having a thought of priesthood really growing within me, my spiritual director like kind of supporting it and helping me. Even in prayer, I feel like priesthood is like what the Lord wants me to do. And then like, I remember like being so confused, but I had to take a decision. And I remember just praying and, and, and Father Emmanuel Mansfield is like, listen, bro, at the end of the day, like, even if you make a mistake, it's like, you're not dead. You know, you can come back, like, you know. So for now, because you're at this stage, like, make a decision, just jump into it. And I remember, like, telling him and, like, I kind of made a decision for priesthood. And I remember, like, bro, like, after I made that decision, there was, like, this peace in me. Like, there was a deep sense of peace and joy. And I remember, like, that day I was like, yeah, this is probably what God wants me to do mm. for the rest of my life. But it, it was like a hard journey, bro, because oh, that discernment, it's a beautiful journey. Like, don't get me wrong. It's very beautiful. But at those moments, yeah, like looking back at it now, it's like an amazing journey. But when you're at those moments, bro, it's like proper stressful because you don't know if you're making the right choice, like... All these people are saying things to you and yeah, yeah. What was the hardest decision making for that? Obviously you had this attraction to priesthood. What was kind of like pulling you to the other side? Yeah, I'm the only child, bro. If I go for priesthood, yeah, no family, that's one. Second thing, I don't know what my parents are going to say. That it's probably going to be a big no because they, they probably want grandkids or whatever. And basically the generation is cut. And I don't like the idea of priesthood in the sense like, I, I like priests, I like what they do, but me, like, I just felt like, no, that's not, I can't see myself doing mm. that. So there's like these things like just pulling me like this. And then on the other side, that's like, very strong. Mm. So how did you say no to all the girls who, were, who you were texting? <laughs> yeah. Wait, who, who? Those yeah. ones are gone, bro. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Those <laughs> ones. Yeah. The BBM ones, like after my experience, they're all gone with my friends, all of that. That's like past. 
And I never had like, you know, for me, like one of the biggest thing was I hated like dating because I hated commitment, bro. Like I can't stick to like, I hate this so funny. I can't stay. It's, it's like I have this idea of, yeah, me being in a relationship with this girl because the moment I'm in a relationship with you, I can't go and speak to another girl because then she'll be like, yeah, what are you doing there? And then she'll be like, yeah, you got a girl already. So I'm like, no, I want like the, everything. Yeah. So I, I, like I hated this idea of, that's why I never dated any girl. Like I never had like, like, you know, I, I've been in love and stuff, but I've never like dated, never been in a committed relationship with any girl because of this stuff. Of course, now it's different. Yeah. If you're married, stay, <laughs> yeah, stay, stay humble, be with that girl, be with that guy for the rest of your life. Cause it's, it's marriage, you know, it's a sacrament, it's a covenant. But, but like growing up for me, I was like, no, like I, I hated that idea of being with one person. Cause yeah. I'm like, tomorrow I might be in an argument with you. I need to move on. And there's plenty of fish in the sea. <laughs> yeah. So the girl business is gone. But now like for priesthood, it was always like, but what's my family going to say? Um, and I wanted like family and stuff. Yeah. Awesome. Um, so for anybody who is discerning priesthood versus married life uh, or, or singlehood, um, what was like the biggest thing that helped you? Was it your directors mm -hmm. that you were like your spiritual director? Do you think that support is probably the most important thing to have to make a decision? Yeah. I did tons of stuff, bro, because I needed answers right there. And then I'm not paid. I'm not a guy with patience. Like if I'm discerning my location, I need my answer today. And I want God to come out of the cloud. Yeah. And I want like, probably when I'm praying, yeah, I want him to write my vocation <laughs> on the, on, on the sky. So I'm like that kind of a guy, but in this vocation discernment, I realized like God doesn't work like that. And it's, it's, it's for us. Like it's for the benefit of, of us. He wants us to teach patience. Like he wants us to persevere. Like I, I imagine, yeah, if God told us everything that's going to happen, I would never pray to God, bro. Like after, after I know everything, all my business with God is done. Yeah. But there's always still a longing, which I realized is you need to go, always go back to God, like always go back to God, fill it in with him. So spiritual directors helped me. I used to go for silent retreats, like really guided silent retreat. Um, I had to prioritize different things. I was so involved in music. Of course, after JY, I didn't, I didn't take music that seriously. And, um, I completely moved away from music when it came to discernment. Like my priorities changed out. Like, like at that point I was like, yo, I need to know what God wants of me. I don't care if people come saying, yo, bro, produce this beat for me. You'll get like a million pounds or something like that's not a matter for me. for me I need to know what God wants like so when it came to that point and how serious I was like things just fell in place bro but it was it was very difficult but like it was just a lot of things together like doing it together and for other people it might just be you know just spiritual direction and benefit you to make a decision or just some time of like I had to really spend time in prayer mm. I had to really understand myself like understanding myself was so important especially when it comes to like celibacy um especially when it comes to like being honest uh, coming like how you deal with friends how we deal with the same gender with the opposite gender like all of these things are like so important in discernment and then like spiritual direction 
you know, being very open with the spiritual director, all of this stuff, bro. So, mm. yeah, I can't single out one thing. It's like a combination yeah. of many things. Mm. Yeah. So you've been in seminary for three years so far, right? Four. Four. This is my so fourth year. Uh, so where are you now? What are you? What's happening? Um. So what am I doing now? Yeah. So I said yes to priesthood, but I didn't know like where I wanted to join. Like you know, if I wanted to join like the Jesuits or Franciscan friars, I was attracted to the friars, bro, because they were simple. Yeah. But like living with them, I realized I'm only attracted because of the habit, and and also the lifestyle. Yeah, which is like proper ascetic and stuff like that. But the one thing that I was not very attracted to was the idea of working with the poor. So I felt like the Lord always kind of gifted me with youth ministry, like a charism with youth ministry. Even though they do that, yeah, their primary thing is working with the poor. For me, like that was a kind of, um, yeah. That wasn't your calling. Yeah, it wasn't my calling. And, and that was like one reason why I had to kind of say no to Franciscan. Jesuits, they're like super intellectual, bro. They'll ask you to do PhDs and stuff. And I'm not intellectual. Mm. Yeah, I just look intellectual. But yeah, so that was no for me. So at the end, it just came to the Friars and Jesus Youth. And because I felt calling for youth ministry and I felt being in Jesus Youth for so long has helped me to grow. And there's like tons of youngsters out there who benefit from Jesus Youth. And I wanted to kind of have the same spirituality that the Jesus Youth has but by being a priest. Mm. So I felt like Jesus Youth is where the Lord's asking me to go. So yeah, I joined seminary in 2018. Before that, in 2016, I went to Uganda for a whole year for mission exposure. So in Jesus Youth, there's like this formation thing called full-timership. So you have like 30 days training and then you have like a year long of formation um, for a lifetime commitment. That's That's the tagline, yeah? It sounds cool. 30 days training, a year-long formation, <laughs> lifetime commitment. And that's what sells you off, bro. Um, I had exactly that. My one year in Uganda was tough, man. Oh, my goodness. But it was like the best. Like It was like the most joyfulest time looking back at it now. It was like that's where I, like, my, my call for vocation, especially for Jesus Youth Priesthood, was like very, very, very deepened in Uganda. Mm. Like, So what was your Ugandan experience like? Like what are some of the highlights that you, like, remember? like key moments in there. Yeah. Yeah, there's there's so many. So I was placed in this in this parish in like this deep tribal village, like twelve hours away from uh Kas wait. Twelve hours away from Kampala, which is a main city. So my place was called it was a Kasese Diocese, Kasanga Parish. So basically yo, it's like they're so poor bro. People are like mad poor. Like, I couldn't even, like, I never knew. Like, I knew from, like, mm. my mind that there are poor people. But when you go and see, like, that's another life. Like, pe people have, like, no coins, bro. They, like, forget notes. They don't have coins in their pockets, like, in their houses. Like, like, the food they have is what they grow behind their houses. If there's no rain, they don't have food, bro. Like, what? Like, this, it's a different level to, mm. you know, um, like things I used to take for granted, like going around, switching on the light, you know that the, the light's on, or like turning the tap, you know, guaranteed the water's on. But in Uganda, it's different. Like there's no taps, yeah? I've never seen, in my parish, there's no wires, bro. There's nothing like wires. There's no switch, nothing. So that was tough. 
Um, but I realized like not to take things for granted, um, especially coming from the West. So that was like the main learning. Don't take things for granted. Be satisfied with what you get and what mm. you have. You know, don't like, don't complain basically. Like I know like people these days, yeah. Like even if you have like five star food, and like something's missing, like you start complaining. Bro, there's people on the other side of the world who don't even have rice, bro. Like, they don't have a grain of rice. And it's mad. Um, they don't have, sh like, clothes, shoes, nothing. Like, there's kids, like... Let me tell you the story, bro. This is, like, proper heart-touching. I, I went to a village visit, and this was, like, I think, like, four hours away from my place, even deeper into the village. And... There was a huge drought here at that time. So there's no rain for like six months. And this this old lady, yeah, is outside the house, like just collapsed, bro. Mm. And we go and speak to her, yeah. And you know what she was eating? She was eating ants that were coming from the from the ground. Because it's like a muddy ground, right? So it was like ants. She's eating ants, bro. And she was telling me, like, we offered food, yeah? Because we had some, like, we took food and stuff. Like, we offered food, yeah, and she told she told us, yeah, like, I don't want to have food because if I have food today, yeah, I'll be satisfied today, but then tomorrow I'm going to starve again, yeah, and then day after tomorrow I'm going to be in a worse position again, and then I don't want to go through the starving, the starvation again, I just want to die from now, like, like, she's like at that point, bro, and I was like teared up, man, when she said that, I was like, whoa. Like, people, people are, like, waiting to die because they don't have food. And, like, you know, in this country, like, people waste food, man. I'm like, so after coming from Uganda, whenever people waste food, I feel like backhanding them, you know? Because, yeah, it's not their fault. They've not seen, yeah, what's on the other side. But for me, like, I've seen, and, like, for me, that stuff annoys me. So even if I take a lot of food, I'll make sure I eat it. Because, you know, Pope Francis says, yeah, if you're wasting food, you're stealing from the, from the poor people. It's like, it's almost like, it's worse than stealing from a poor people poor man's plate so that was like a heart-touching story from uganda and there's tons bro there's so many broken families like there's kids who who've not like actually had love from their, their parents like the dad's probably like ran away mom's like working busy in the field so they don't even know what family is like i need to be so thankful bro like my mom and dad like looked after me for so long like we've got this love in our family like i can just call my mom and, you know, if I need money, hey, mom, like, yeah, I've only got five pounds in my account, transfer this month. Mm. Like, we've got so much things in family, bro. But these people are just, they don't have any of mm. these benefits that, that I have. So I just have to, like, be so thankful to God um, and just appreciate people, you know. And it, it's so true, you know, like Jesus says, like, when you have two things, like, give one to the poor. It's needed, bro. Like, if you really look at, look at the world yeah and everyone is made in the image and likeness of god then everyone's actually your brother and your sister yeah and how are you living a life of riches but then your brother is like messed up mm. and like has nothing to yeah so there's like tons of reflection bro well yeah so uganda uganda man that's my that's my place i love that place yeah, yeah. so that was my whole year 2017 i went to haiti for a month that was another different experience that was like crazy like in in a month i learned so much and even there like i spent time with a candidate for jy um priesthood he's now a priest father thomas 
So he's from US. Um, so he kind of helped me a lot in strengthening my vocation. 2018, joined seminary. First year was in Kochi, in Kerala. It was hectic, bro. <laughs> and then my second and third year was in Bangalore. And then my fourth year is in UK. So I don't know where the Lord's taking me, like, in the future, bro. I've got no idea. But just, yeah, hold his hand. Just walk beside him. Yeah, that's it, man. That's um, that's the only hope we have because he's always ready to kind of lead us, you know. Um, yeah, and if if people think like going back to you know surrendering your life to God, that the words I heard in adoration was nonsensical to me, but it has a very 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 profound meaning. You know, God wants you. God wants you to kind of. He's given His life for you, so that you can now give your life to Him. And walk with him. And you lose nothing by giving your life to him. You lose nothing by praying. You, you don't you don't lose anything. The only thing you're going to lose is nothing. Yeah. Mm. So, yeah. Um, for me, in my life, there's been different points where God's like, God's kind of formed me through difficult moments. And I think I needed that. Uh, at that moment, I'm probably like, yeah, God, why are you doing this? Like, you know, so like, I never wanted to be a priest. But like, yeah, I'm on this journey. I never wanted to like, like be prayerful and stuff. I'm here. I never wanted to be a full-timer, bro. I don't want to go for full-timership and stuff. I ended up going for the training. And even when I was in the training, I didn't want to go to Uganda. I didn't want to go to Africa. I wanted to come back to UK. But then I got sent to Africa. Um, when I chose for priesthood, like I didn't want to go to Kochi for my first year. I like, I want my training to be in the UK. And I got sent to Kochi and then they told me like, yeah, after your first year in, in, in Kerala, you can go back to the UK. And then I'm preparing and then they're like, no, two more years in Bangalore. So it's all like, for me, when you look at it, it's like, what's God doing? But it's really of, he's it, really, really trying to form you. Like, why don't you want to do it? Like, I want you to do it because that's where you're going to be formed. So after all these years, I'm like, God, man. Wherever you want me to go, I go. Because I know wherever I don't want to go, that's where I'm going. So I'm like, wherever you want me to go, I'm going. And so then he calls me to the UK for my fourth year. So I'm here. Yeah, thanks for sharing your testimony. Um, for anyone watching, um, what could they do to pray for you? Like what, what what's in your mind right now? What's kind of in the horizon? Um, how can people pray help for you? Yeah. If you want to pray for me, yeah, kneel down, stretch your hands out. <laughs> <laughs> New down on pebbles or whatever. No, I'm joking. Just, yeah, I mean, you know, people say like this country is in a crisis of vocations. Um, yeah, so just pray that youngsters kind of um, open their hearts to at least like knowing what the Lord wants them to do. Um, and also at the same time, help like seminarians and priests become holy too. So it, I always say this, bro, it's very easy to be a priest. Like, you know, you can just go through seminary, hide your way through, and just be a priest. Like, it's super easy. But then to be a holy priest is, like, super difficult. And that's what we should be aiming for. Mm. And I don't, I don't struggle in priesthood, but I struggle to become a holy priest. Like, that's what I struggle. So every day, like, waking up to say my divine office is, like, a pain. But I'm like, oh, my goodness. But I still go and do it because prayer doesn't, it's not based on feelings, you know. Mm. So, yeah, if you want to pray, like, you know, please pray for vocations. Uh, pray that youngsters are open. Pray that um, there's many, many more, like, young people who experience or encounter God. 
Um, yeah, and just, yeah, that's it, bro. Cool. Just, yeah, cool. if you want to support me, I'll give you my bank. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Yeah. Um, thank you, bro. Uh, any last, anything else? Last one before we wrap up? Yeah, I think nothing much. Like, you know, um, just enjoy the journey that you're in, basically. Yeah, just every journey is beautiful, is different. You don't have to be like another person. You're born an original, die an original, don't die a copy. <laughs> yeah, great advice. I to say. Thank you, brother Chris. Yeah, thanks, bro.